But next thing I know, I'm laying in the swimming pool and I can't move or feel my hands, legs or arms. And, um, and yeah, and I went through the process of drowning and, and I didn't reach the surface to catch a breath. So I did drown. And then, um, yeah, and I didn't breathe for quite a while until I was revived by the paramedics. Um, and they revived me and then um, put me in an ambulance. And then I was taken to uh, the Alfred Hospital where I was then induced into a coma and I had machines that helped me to breathe. Um, yeah, and I spent five days in a coma and I woke up to a body that didn't work the way it used to work. Michelle Edwards. I am the author of a novel called Chronicle of Endings, but I want to continue the conversation. It's a conversation about the different endings we face across the course of our lives, and ultimately about all the beginnings that open up after. I want to speak to men because men don't always have the place or the permission to talk openly about their difficulties the way women do. But I want to speak to women too because we are all the same human beings trying to navigate the same universal human experiences. Mostly through these interviews, I want to have the opportunity to speak directly and openly with you. Each guest's experiences will allow you to reflect on your own, about the endings you have faced and the ones you are yet to face, the mindset and actions which brought these people through their difficult times will, in turn, speak to you about your own. Because whether it's a novel a podcast, or just two mates finally speaking about things that matter over a beer. Words. Words have the power to change people, to change their lives, to change yours. So, can we talk? All right, we're recording. Shane, hello. Would you, hello. Hi, would you like to introduce yourself? Um, I'm Shane Haharik. Um, I'm a person with a disability. I, um, I live in Melbourne and I, uh, um, I sell wheelchairs for a living. I would like to ask about the ending that you have faced in your life um, being the one that led you to be in a wheelchair yourself would you be able to tell us that story Shane um yeah I'd, I personally wouldn't use the word ending I um I had a traumatic experience um in 2007 where I went into a swing pool at the wrong angle and I um hit the bottom of the pool and I broke two vertebrae and I drowned um though I, I definitely would never use the language ending of that but it was certainly a life-changing experience um but yeah mm. is it is you want me to tell you a bit about that experience is that yeah please do what was that yeah like? so um yeah pretty full-on um in 2007 i used to work for a furniture company 
And uh, uh, one night I went out with one of my friends and returned back to the apartment building where I lived at. Um, and when I returned back, I noticed that the communal swimming pool door was left open. So I thought it would be a good opportunity to go for a swim. Um, and I was in the spa, I jumped in the spa, and then I decided to get out, out of the spa and get into the pool. Um, and as I climbed out of the spa to get into the pool, I lost my footing. And next thing I know, I went into the swimming pool uh, in an awkward angle. And um, I hit the bottom or the side. I'm not 100% sure what part of the pool I hit. But next thing I know, I'm laying in the swimming pool and I can't move or feel my hands, legs or arms. And, um, and yeah, and I went through the process of drowning and, and I didn't reach the surface to catch a breath. So I did drown. And then, um, yeah, and I didn't breathe for quite a while until I was revived by the paramedics. Um, and they revived me and then um, put me in an ambulance. And then I was taken to uh, the Alfred Hospital where I was then induced into a coma and I had machines that helped me to breathe. Um, yeah, and I spent five days in a coma and I woke up to a body that didn't work the way it used to work. So it was kind of interesting because, I mean, that whole experience was, was definitely a, a, you know, a, a shaping experience. And then surviving that and waking up was kind of the start of a new journey so i guess um i guess i'd probably use the language tell us about your beginning rather than your ending so <laughs> but yeah that, that's what happened to me can i just before we talk about your beginning can i ask what was going through your mind in those moments when you were drowning yeah a million things went through my mind it felt like at that time and it was happening first of all um the realization that I was underwater and my attempts to move, nothing would move, my arms would move, my legs would move. And being aware of knowing that the pool surface was so close but not being able to reach it. And the first thoughts going through my, my mind is how do I get out of this? Like how do I, how do I reach the surface and how do I get air? Um, and then my instincts said to me, the best way to reach the surface is to do nothing. So I just froze and I just um, laid still hoping that, uh, I would literally float to the float to the top. So I laid there, didn't try to struggle, and then um, I held my breath for as long as I could. Unfortunately, that that um, that idea didn't work, and I didn't reach the surface. So um, and then I I realised I couldn't hold my breath any longer. That's when my I opened my mouth and then started taking in water. And at that point, then my shift of think my thinking shifted to thinking about what I was about to lose if I if I wasn't going to survive, which is thinking about my parents, my family. And um, I was even sort of started visualizing real quickly my funeral, my mother being there. And then I um, started thinking about my staff and all the people that I'd affect by not being around anymore. Um, and yeah. And then the next thing I know, um, I remember waking up briefly as I was being revived. And then ne next thing I remember is waking up out of a coma later. It's amazing how much can go through your mind in such a brief moment. Yeah, seconds. And, um, you know, they're just some of the thoughts. And if anything, it felt like it was, um, in my mind, it was like someone put something on into slow motion. And it was as if, like, you watched a two-hour movie. Um, but it really only talking about seconds. So. Mm. Yeah. so you woke up out of the coma. And what was it like to wake up and realise that 
your body no longer worked the way it used to? Um, yeah, look, I was, when I woke up, I was kind of in, I wouldn't say shock. I mean, they medicate you so well that when you come out of coma, everything's great. Um, but I, I was glad the feelings that I felt first was, was to be happy and glad that I was actually alive. Um, and I, when I woke up, I remembered I, I had some memory of the drowning and all that and, and the fight, the mental fight to, to try to stay alive. So it was kind of a relief to be awake and, uh, and to come out of the coma. Um, but I knew my body was not right. I didn't know the extent of how the, the damage or the effect of my body, but I, I knew that there, you know, my body was not the same as it was and or I knew at that point it never will be. Um, but I didn't care. I was just so happy just to be alive and not dead. Yeah, well, that's a beautiful perspective to not think about what you've lost but what you still have. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that comes down to perception. I think um, I'm, I'm kind of always been fortunate because I've always been able to see the positive perspective of many things. Um, if that was someone else, they may not have uh, reacted that same way. But myself, I just like that's just how I reacted and, and would react to those sort of situations. Yeah. So when you spoke to the medical professionals and they told you what had happened and what your body would be capable of going forward, how how was how did it feel? taking in that information and, and changing the rest of your life going forward? I, I, I honestly, I was like, I really don't care. Like they explained to me that you're, um, you've broken your neck and you're, you probably won't move your arms and legs again. And to be honest with you, I wasn't overly bothered. I was like, I'm happy to be alive and I'm sure I could find a great way to have life with disability. And um, I knew that it would have its challenges, but, that every challenge is always opportunity and, um, you know, good things can come out of bad situations. So I was instantly optimistic that, you know, there will be a life. Um, I just didn't know what that would look like yet. And um, I think the the trauma of disability affected everyone around me more than it affected me because no one wants you to have a friend or to see a friend have an injury and not be able to live the same way. Um, and at the end of the day is you don't know what it means to have disability until you're actually starting to get back into society which then you know um, and people always get asked the question what makes you feel disabled and it's it's not disability itself it's actually community it's, it's that access into community it's the barriers that society puts on people with disability yeah so then can you talk to me about those first few weeks and months navigating community with this brand new disability that you haven't had to to experience before or even think about, I'm sure. Yeah, and I mean the time that I had in rehab, um, it was it was it's all about learning. It's all about learning what your body is like now, how to operate with your body, how the bathroom works, how drinking works, how eating works. You're just learning everything. But you're around a very supportive group of people. Like you've got occupational therapists, nurses, doctors, family, and they're all helping you along the way. Um, and it wasn't until I made my first trip into community um, and I went into the city with my mother on a maxi taxi and I got into the city 
and I was in the manual wheelchair. And in that instant, I realized, oh, shit, Melbourne has hills everywhere. How have I lived here for this long? And never realized how hilly this city actually is. And I realized I couldn't maneuver around. I couldn't get up the hills. And I was completely reliant on other people. And at that moment, that was the first moment that I was like, you know, disability can absolutely suck. Um, and yeah, and it was quite an eye opener for me. And then that made me realize that um, that that had a lot to do with the environment and also equipment. And then that made me started thinking, okay, well, um, so how do you fix this so this doesn't happen again? And then my next thinking is, okay, you choose your environments you go to, um, and then also use different equipment that's designed to manage different environments. So, and that's one thing about disability that's been a big part of my life is whenever you see obstacles, it's not, you know, um, it's not, should I avoid them? It's like, well, how do you manage them? How do you get to a place like that and don't have that same feelings and same experiences as, a, as you've had last time? Um, change the equipment and use a power assist and put a motor on and so on. But yeah, that was a pretty traumatic experience for me going out for the first time. And that's when I really realized what disability really meant for me in communities. And at that time, were your friends and your the everyone that you have known, were they able to uh, be supportive did they know what to say did they know how to act um it was interesting though because i realized when i had my injury that um i probably didn't have the best friends a lot of the friends i had in my life were people that uh people that you catch up with and have dinner and wines and stuff like that but if you break your neck and end up in a coma and can't walk i realized that they're probably not the most supportive friends to help you through that journey um, so it became quite clear to me about the importance of the people that you have around you and your friends. And um, I learned a lot about the friends that I had then. And, and then I decided that it was important that any friendships I have moving to the future are friendships of quality, not quantity. And it's about having people that are really matter and really care in life and, and that they care about you. But, um, so it was quite an eye opener when it came to friendships, but, um, my, my family have, were a great support through that process and always have been and always will be. Um, and they were there to help me through a lot of that journey. And my mum was there with me when I did that first outing and I was really angry and frustrated about the challenges that I faced on that day. But I think my mother was more angry and frustrated than I was because no one wants to see their son go through that, those challenges. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So it was a beginning not only of your mobility as it was to go forward, but in a, a beginning of the way you see people, the way you see yourself, the way you see the world. Yeah, and, I, and, that, and that's the thing is like, um, I, like I said, I probably wouldn't use the end of mobility. It's a change in mobility. Um, it's the idea that I, you know, I, I knew a certain way of being able to be mobile Walking around on two legs, well, that, that can't happen anymore. But I can still get around by, by using wheels and a wheelchair instead of a legs to do the walking. So um, it's just really just adapting and changing to the way that, you know, a new way of doing things. Yeah. And that's where you used your entrepreneurial spirit to start to um, bring some of these 
ideas to other people who also had a disability and you started a business. Yeah, that's correct. My first wheelchair was horrid. It was a big black hulk of a chair. Um, and I didn't really get much of a choice when I had my first wheelchair and that was given to me and um, through the process of the rehab and, and I, I didn't want to use it and I didn't love it. And then I realized a few years later that that shouldn't like there, there has to be better experiences out there for people to get equipment. And then I was like, well, how, how can I help in this process? And, how can I also help myself in this process? And that's when I thought, well, you know what? The best thing I can do is start my own wheelchair company and bring in great wheelchairs that people not only would like, but love. So yeah, in 2013, I started a disability equipment company called Push Mobility. And the first thing that I did when I started the company was looked around the world to find amazing wheelchairs, great designs, lightweight, and start bringing in wheelchairs that if I would love them, other people would love them. And literally that's how it started. And um, yeah, and then we, we started bringing in new and cool designs and offering them to people around Australia. And it, and it sort of hit me pretty quickly at how great it was to be able to, one, get myself a new wheelchair that I love, but then to see customers that I would interact with. And they would come to me with, a shit chopping trolley of a wheelchair like I had. And then you give them an amazing mobility device. You provide that solution to them. And then to see them leave and then go into community and, and about their lives in a piece of equipment that they love kind of makes, you know, it made it everything real and it sort of made reason to everything that I'd worked towards in regards to setting up this company. Mm. So what other kinds of things do you offer apart from chairs? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Let me tell you all about everything. Um, no, we actually have, uh, we, we provide a large range of equipment. Um, I'm also chair of a charity called Accessible Beaches Australia. We make beaches accessible for people with disability. Um, but through Push Mobility, we provide a long range of equipment such as beach wheelchairs, matting for beaches so people with disability can stay in their own wheelchair and wheel down to the water's edge. We also sell products that help people with intimacy. Uh, we have a product called the Intimate Rider that a person with disability can sit on a seat and the seat swings like a pendulum. So if you want to get a perhaps a, a rocking or thrusting motion without having physical function to do so, we've got products that do that. Um, yeah, and we've also just launched a new product with La La Land. It's called the Push Hubs, and um, it's a design. It's a it's a, a cover for your wheels. Um, they go around the hubs. That's why it's called the Push Hub. And they've got we've got a whole bunch of different designs. So you can find a design that suits you and your personality, and you literally just pop them on your hubs, and then you go out and be out and about. So. Um, but no, we, we have a, you know, we'll probably have about 4,000 different products that we offer um, in different products and sizes and SKUs. But yeah, it's, it's, it's grown quite a bit over the years. It's, it's very beautiful that you've made all these things available for the community and you're having all these conversations uh, with people. And they're the kinds of things that I guess people would never talk about, especially when it comes to sex. 
Um, and obviously it's important for everyone. So it's, it's, it's great to be able to find solutions for that. And put them yeah. And it made me realize, um, I was like, why don't people, why don't disability equipment companies sell products to help people with intimacy and sex? And I was like, well, why can't we? And the ones that did it had a product and they kind of, it was word of mouth, like no one, they, put, they wouldn't put on their website. And we're like, no, let's just have an adults only tab. And in there, we'll just have all the adult products. And um, we have um, special medical vibrators that help people with, um, to be able to have families and other bits and pieces and, and reach a certain climax. So it, it was the question is, well, why don't we? And then the question is, well, how can we? And that's kind of always been my, my approach with most things. Yeah, of course you can. Even if nobody else is doing it, it doesn't mean you can't do it. You can't talk about it. You can't start these conversations in, in the community. Yeah, and sometimes other people not doing things gives more motivation to do things. And it, I mean, that's the whole reason that the company started is because there wasn't, the, the companies that were around weren't great at providing, in my opinion, great mobility solutions. They weren't great at creating products that people loved. And so someone needed to come and, and do that. So what are some major points that you would love to bring to people with full mobility's attention? Because obviously we never have to consider or think about what it's like to be disabled until we come across the issues. You know, what would you like to share? Look, I think and this came back to my original story about what was the hardest thing for me having disability was the first time I went out and about in the community and realised how challenging environments can be. And I guess this is not really a message to individuals, but it's society you know, as a whole. And if you have a cafe, um, finding a way to make it accessible and inclusive goes a long way to making people not feel like they're disabled. Um, like if you've got one step that goes in, well, you know, finding a way to speak to your council to turn that into a ramp um, or even having a ramp that's portable so people can come into your shop. And if you're doing a renovation inside of a bar, then why not? Why don't you put an accessible bathroom in? And, um, and you only need to go down to any of the main streets in Melbourne or Sydney or any other state. And you, you go down Brunswick Street in Fitzroy, for example, and there's a little step everywhere, step everywhere. You go to Potts Point Street, uh, McClay Street and Potts Point. 50% of the restaurants aren't accessible for people with disability. And I used to live in Potts Point and I, there's so many places I wanted to go, but I just wouldn't, wouldn't and couldn't go to a place that had four steps to get in. So I only got to explore 50% of uh, Sydney when I lived there. Um, so the idea is that, you know, if it's within your ability and power to make change, to make our community is more accessible and inclusive, then I, I encourage people to, to do that and make that change um, because I think it, it goes a long way. And, and, and one does not know when or if they will ever have a disability or have a family member that does. Um, and I mean, I never expected to have a disability, but it's more just being aware of those physical environmental challenges that people are faced with. Mm. Do you know the figures of, of how many Australians, for example, are in a wheelchair? 
So it's identified that 10% of Australians have a disability. That's, I think, 4.4 million people. Um, of that, um, 60, uh, 50% of people over the age of 65 have a disability. So, and we've got a, a, a very large growing aging population. So when you look at the amount of people that are going to have the, the need for a mobility aid, like a walker, or a wheelchair, it, it's growing uh, fast and, and the numbers are quite staggering. Um, so it, it's actually hard to tell exactly how many people require that of a mobility aid, but it's at least 1 million people in all of Australia that require some type of mobility aid, but it could be closer to talking nearly 2 million people. Um, and it's quite challenging because in surveys, when, when they find the data of you know, 50% of people over 65 have a disability. No one's asking the question, well, what of those people need a wheelchair and what of those people need a walking, um, a walking frame? So, um, but it's, it, it's not a small number. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. And coming back to the individuals, so if you were to speak to somebody who has just been in an accident and have, have just gain this this um disability what would you say to them about how they can experience life in a more optimistic way look i'm a big fan of sometimes not saying but showing and i think it's really important that people can see examples of people that have survived trauma and that their life is 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 a good life like they they're able to be independent, be mobile, have a job, have a girlfriend, um, boyfriend, whatever friend they would want to have. Um, I think the idea is that it's really just showing people that there is life after the, the trauma. Like, and um, sometimes customers, they come into the workplace, they kind of want to talk about injury and all the sort of stuff that happens. And to be honest with you, it's, it is depressing. It can be very depressing for them and, and it can also be very depressing for people listening to that. And it's, it is important to listen as well, but sometimes it's really important to focus on moving forward and focus on the, instead of the things that you can't do. And uh, it's thinking about things that you can do and where you want to go and where you want to be and how you're going to get there. Um, and sometimes a lot of people can get really dwelled down in injury and, um, and thinking about those times of mobility and those times when you were able to run along the beach um, and you can, everyone's got to think about them and it's healthy to think about them um, from time to time. But it's also then important to go, okay, well, think about things you can do and things that you want to do and, and where you want to go and, and what you see your life doing. And, and, and sometimes the best way to do that is by focusing forward and, and looking at great examples of other people that have been able to do that. Yeah. Like you, you seem to have a really beautiful life. I won't lie. I think I have a pretty good life. I have great friends, great family. I have a job. I'm employed. Uh, I can't go for long walks along the beach, but I can go to the beach. Um, I can borrow a beach wheelchair and take it out into the water with friends if I want to do that. So the idea is that, you know, life is, when you have a trauma, life is always going to be different. Um, but it doesn't mean that you won't enjoy it and you won't be able to find satisfaction and, and, and love and friendship. Yeah, um, I guess life is hard for anyone, no matter what. It's just one 
kind of hard amongst many, many different kinds of hard that that life entails. Yeah, I mean, um, challenging life is not exclusive to people with disability. People every day, and and I don't think one should be able to compare themselves from having, you know, uh, I, life must be so much more difficult for you because you have a disability. Everyone has their own challenges and their own things that they have to overcome in life. And I think that's just what life is, is about, is about, you know, you will find challenges, challenges will happen. I mean, all of the world is facing a huge challenge right now with this pandemic, you know, with COVID-19. And um, we've all been severely affected. Uh, have locking individuals in houses for nine months of a year is it has and will have an impact on our well-being. Um, the important thing is can't change that. That's happened. We 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 have to choose how we respond to that and and in situations like that, and how we're going to repair ourselves and how we're going to get back into the community and 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 grow and try to be the the person we were before and better. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll grow and learn from those experiences. Yeah, and like any challenge in life, they make us better or they certainly pre present the opportunity for us to grow and be better every challenge is an opportunity to learn and grow and i think we we always need to look at how we we change through these um anything that happens in life and and sometimes it's hard to pick up the pieces and grow and find positivity in something so negative but um and, and, and doing that and growing from it is a journey. And I think that it's, you know, it's one of those things. And some people need support to do that. But at the end of the day, I think it's about choosing mindset, thinking about where you want to be and, and, and working towards that. Yeah, mindset is huge. And a really, um, I guess, important point for everybody, no matter what, their mindset really predicts how they're going to live their life, how they're going to enjoy it how they're going to contribute to society, how they're going to experience society. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And like I said, and, and that's the thing is we're all humans. Everyone's um, interaction and reactions to anything in life is always going to be different. Um, and some people have the ability to absolutely bounce back after trauma as if like nothing ever happened. And, um, and, uh, and some people take months and years to recover, um, but it's not a competition. Um, it's not like, hey, let's see who can recover quickly from the pandemic. You know, um, we're all going to do, we're all going to change and grow in different ways and at different rates. And I think that's the idea. It's always just about being support, supportive to other people. And you know, if people need a hand, they go, hey, I'll help you out and I'll get help you get through this. And um, you know, it's just about being supportive, I guess. Yeah. So what's next for you, Shane? Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, there's lots happening all the time. I'm, my, I'm, I'm, you know, always bringing new products to my work. I always have goals. My one of my goals at the moment is to hang out more with my family in South Australia. I, um, because of the pandemic, haven't been able to see them very much. I used to go home and see them every month, um, and to go nearly nine months without catching up with them is strange, um, but. I'm excited. I'm heading over to see my family in South Australia in a week or two. Um, and I'll be staying there for an entire month to catch up on all the time I missed out. But um, yeah, there's lots going on. And I think for me, you know, one of my mechanisms to help me 
manage disability and cope and be optimistic is to always have projects to work on, always move forward, collaborate with people, um, and keeping busy and growing and making things, especially things that are meaningful and, and contribute, contribute to people's lives is, you know, it makes life feel great and it makes, it gives people purpose or gives me purpose anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's really nice. So if I can direct people on how to find you, how to find your business, where can I lead them? Where, where do they find push mobility? On the Google, you just type in the word push mobility and we come up. But yeah, um, if you're curious about some of the stuff that we provide and you want to check out the push-ups or you want to check out our intimacy products. So if you know someone that has disability and they're a bit lost and confused about what type of mobility they want to get um, solutions, you know, just at least let them have them browse through there. At least it will show people that, you know, a lot of websites out there for people with disability are clinical and boring, but you land on our website and you're like, oh, wow, that's fun. That's cool. And that's kind of what we're all about. Uh, we don't feel like a mobility equipment company. We, we are just people providing equipment to people. Yeah, why shouldn't that be fun? Yeah, exactly. We make it fun. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, I will uh, wrap this up, but thank you for sharing your story. And um, thank you for your time. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, and it's been great speaking with you and I'm, I'm loving the messages and the stories that you're sharing with everybody out in the community. Thank you so much. Please share this story with anyone you feel may benefit from hearing it. Or if you or someone you know have your own story to share, feel free to drop me an email at m at m